The Sea Change Podcast is sponsored by Changing Greatly Consulting, providing effective, data-driven talent and culture solutions that attracts top, diverse talent by creating psychologically safe and inclusive, high-performance cultures. Come for the talent and stay for the culture. Now, let's get into The Sea Change. Welcome to The Sea Change Show, where leaders are changing business culture for good. I'm your host, Maura Barclay. If you are new to the show, we're so glad you found us and you did not find us by accident. Take a moment right now, hit subscribe, click that little plus sign, follow us. You're not going to want to miss a single episode of this show where transformational leaders are bringing amazing skills and thought leadership to culture and business practice. And if you are a frequent flyer, well, you know how much we appreciate you. You know how much I love you. Thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. That really means a lot. And we also really appreciate your reviews because it helps other people understand what this show is all about. Today is a highlight episode of Dave Valentine, and he is an incredible spirit, just an amazing entrepreneur. And naturally, I don't have the, uh, my, my calendar's all compressed here. I don't have the original air date. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. He had so many incredible things to say about diversity, bringing in diversity and keeping diversity. And this is going to be a short one, this episode. I wanted to focus on something that he talked about that, that I have mentioned in other episodes with particularly with startup founders. And that is the sneaky way that bias interferes with our ability to all things being equal, hire candidates that don't look like us. So without getting too technical, I probably will. (laughs) There's something called in-grouping. And this is a deeply wired neurological impulse to have an affinity toward people who look like us and have a natural suspicion of people who do not. This is hardwired into our brains. Uh, I want to say that it might even be all the way down in the lizard brain. It's actually a combination of areas of the brain because nothing really happens in a vacuum. in in the brain. So I think it's actually a combination of the brain stem, the lizard brain and the midbrain or the limbic brain, which is also the animal instinct part of our process. So what winds up happening is let's say that we actually make it past the initial bottleneck, which is recruiters. I've spoken with Elliot Barnett, He's been on the show and he works for a, uh, a fortune 500. He works in tech. He's a director and he had a, they were scaling his department and there was a lot of roles to be filled. And the recruiter sent him 20 names and 18 of them were not only the same ethnicity and gender, but they were also 18 more of the same ethnicity and gender he has on his team. And he had to push really, really hard 
to get the hiring manager to source from different places. It was an effort. It took time and energy. So that's usually where the first, the first place, uh, the first point of failure in the system. And this is not to judge recruiters or hiring managers at all. Oftentimes, however, I, I should put a little asterisk on this, diverse recruiters, recruiters of color know where to go for passive candidates. They know where to go uh, for alternative candidate pools and non, I should say, recruiters who are, are, who are white, not of color, typically don't think or have those, think about those resources first or have those resources handy. So when, when these folks are under the gun, so to speak, I don't like that. I don't like that um, analogy. Or would that be a metaphor? Who knew? Four, four years of journalism, folks. And uh, off the top of my head, don't know the difference between metaphor and analogy. Go, just simile. Just work with me here. So they are under a timeline. They're under pressure. That's better. And they need to move quickly to fill the roles uh, because time is money, literally. So they're doing what they've always done and getting the results they always get. So my friend and, again, Sea Change podcast guest, Elliot Barnett, spoke in depth about the amount of time, effort, and focus that he needed to spend in order to get a diverse pool. And he did it. He worked with the hiring manager, and they, they were able to bring in different genders, different ethnicities, and made it a very diverse hiring phase, which was fantastic. So it takes time. It, you have to make a conscious effort. So that's the first thing. You have to do it different. And a lot of people, because of, <laughs> I would not want to be a recruiter. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> the, amount of, the amount of work on, that, on their plates all the time. So it, you got to be willing to do that first and foremost is take the time to source other places and, and uh, that's going to be different and it's going to take a little bit more time and it is time well spent because the revenue gains from having diverse employees is, uh, prove, is proven and that's definitely the way you want to go. So the first bottleneck would be hiring. What Dave and I talked about, we talked about a lot of amazing things, uh, one, not the least of which is when the interview phase happens, and he's seen this in his business and his business, his, he has several businesses actually, and they are very diverse and not just in ethnicity, but in gender identity. So awesome to have that LGBTQ plus uh, representation happening at his companies. And he said, the thing that he's witnessed is during the interview, the people who are doing the interviews tend to connect with the candidates that are in their in-group naturally, because we are wired to do so. And this is where diverse candidacy can fall off the map. And the operative word here is comfortable. And I would also like to add the word familiar. And here's why. I think this is kind of the root of all of our current challenges, not just with businesses, but I would 
dare say, in our culture in general as, as Americans. We keep doing the same shit and expect things to change. It's not going to happen, folks. <laughs> I know this is not news. This is a, this is a, re- a repeat. Businesses keep trying to do DEI, but do it in such a way that feels safe and familiar, which will lead nowhere. Because in order for a truly inclusive culture to be built, it means white folks in particular are going to have to get a little uncomfortable. Now, it's not all white folks. I want to be clear. I personally, uh, I, I get uncomfortable when I'm in a homogenized group. I'm like, where's the color? Where's the difference? And I know that color doesn't always necessarily, ethnicity doesn't always necessarily create diversity because there's plenty of, I've worked with plenty of white folks from different companies, I'm sorry, different cultures, particularly Eastern European. And that takes a tremendous amount of cultural, cross-cultural fluency because very, very different uh, approaches and values. So it's not necessarily the color of the skin, but for the sake of this discussion here today on this episode, it is all about the color here in America. Uh, Different thinking is great. Different life experience, way more powerful as far as creating the productive friction that will get you that 6% net increase in your revenue. That's where it comes from. That's where the good decisions get made, different life experiences, which means the people that you are bringing in need to be different than you. And that means you can anticipate them feeling unfamiliar. That's the touchstone of diversity. It ought to feel unfamiliar. That's the idea. So without this knowledge, or I should say, without this anticipation, without calibrating the nervous system to recognize, oh, I'm I'm naturally going to connect with people who are, I'm naturally going, it's going to be an easy fit to connect with people who are similar to me. And it's going to potentially feel uncomfortable or unfamiliar, like, oh, we didn't quite click when you interview someone who's from a different background from you. So this is kind of nuanced stuff. This is some emotional intelligence Jedi stuff. And this is the kind of stuff that I love to teach and coach through my culture optimization and talent optimization programs because it's necessary. Clearly, because we haven't made the progress we need to. So the lesson here is look for ways to find the unfamiliar because that is the path to inclusion and belonging. Realize, and it's difficult for most white people to even realize that coming in as an ethnic minority, regardless of what the ethnicity is, 
you look around and very few people look like you and it is tricky to feel like you belong there. So representation is very, very important. And I, I'm trying to remember if I had, I'm sure I've had this conversation with at least one of my guests about being the first and only. It's a lot, it's rough, man. I should say it's rough team. <laughs> it's rough. It's a lot of pressure and you feel like you're speaking on behalf of all people who look like you. And that's just something that most white people don't have to think about when they go to work. They don't have to worry about 800 things that people of color have to worry about in the same way that men very rarely have to think about their safety and women think about their personal safety at least five times a day, at least. I mean, if you work from home, probably not, but prior to COVID for show, very, very common. So these are invisible things that take up bandwidth of employees, of team members that are unnecessary and they can be handled through inclusive culture practices and setting expectations. And uh, although we are still working on a central definition for culture, I'd like to continue to offer this. Consider culture, your the culture of your organization, the behavioral norms that people have learned to expect. In the micro, you can consider this your own personal culture. In your personal culture, how do people expect you to behave? What's your, your, your brand is part of your culture. What's the norm for you? When you get upset, do you explode or do you slow simmer? Do you get passive aggressive? What's your culture? The culture of the company is the same. It's simply made up of a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of individual cultures that are coming together and behaving in an agreed way. And the agreement comes from what's observed. And one person said this, I don't remember who, I got to get the quote. I think it was actually a couple of guys who wrote a book. And I don't remember, uh, I know, really helpful stuff, huh? I heard this quote and I thought, this is a, a really great way to define culture. The worst behavior that is tolerated. Because that really does sum it up, huh? Culture is behavior. And certain behaviors lead to high performance and retention and loyalty and satisfaction and super high employee NPS, right? Those are behaviors. Those behaviors are a consequence of the larger behavioral norms that culture informs individual behaviors, right? I know it's, it seems kind of complicated. That is the thrust of what I wanted to share today, that if you are looking for diverse candidates who are different from you to feel familiar, and when they don't, you feel like it's not a fit, that might be completely unconscious, biased, and in-grouping on your part if you are a recruiter or hiring manager, or 
uh, actually the direct supervisor if you're doing the interview, right? So what does this mean to you as a listener? Depending on how much seniority you have or wherever you are, you can make observations in your company and take these observations to people who can create an impact. It's worth looking into. It's worth paying attention to because it's the beginning of change. And you can look at your own personal culture and recognize where you are being influenced by unconscious bias. And you wouldn't necessarily know it because it's unconscious until someone brings it to your attention, kind of like I'm doing right now. And then you have the opportunity to say, okay, well, that's not, that's not ideal. And I understand where it comes from. And I'm going to make every effort to navigate this so that uh, my natural, normal, unconscious survival instincts aren't going to sabotage this company's ability to hire, retain, and promote phenomenal Black talent or Asian talent or disabled talent or LGBTQ plus talent. That's the idea. Just start there. That's a good place to start and layer that into your personal culture. All right, everybody. You know, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And let's keep celebrating that the sea change has been ranked in the top 5% of all podcasts in the world, which was an amazing achievement. And it's because of you. So thank you all very much. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Sea Change Show. We sure appreciate you stopping by and taking your very valuable time to visit with us. Please remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Who knows what's going to happen? I never do. It's always up in the air. And if you would like to be a guest, if you have something to offer, I would love to talk to you. Please email me at cultureworks at morabarclay.com. And that's M-A-U-R-A-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y.com. I would love to talk with you. And if you have someone who you think would be a good fit for this show, please reach out to me and connect me. I want to keep celebrating and amplifying as many of these voices as possible. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.